Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Nate. Um, it's lovely to be here this morning. And as Nate's already said, we're, we're working through the season, uh, looking all the way from Jesus' birth through to his death at Easter. Um, already we've had three talks. We've had a little bit of a, a recap on the uh, Christmas message where we had the shepherds and the kings. And then last week we looked at um, the episode in the temple when Jesus was presented and Simon and Anna kind of, um, Simeon and Anna kind of like came in contact. And that chronological kind of, well, semi-chronological kind of like take, take through the early life of Jesus is going to be broken this morning because we're jumping way, well, not that far into the future, but we're certainly going a little bit further out uh, into, the, into the epistles, as we said, into the letters. Um, and we're reflecting from both the passages that John wrote in his his, his, his letter, and then also Paul in his letter, on the character of Jesus. We're reflecting also more, more specifically on what Jesus came to do. You know, what was his purpose? This is what John and Paul are, are talking about. And so um, I want to introduce something which I'm sure we're kind of aware of subconsciously, but maybe haven't thought about a lot recently, which is this paradox which sits in the middle of our Christian faith. The paradox between what we want to do and what we find ourselves doing. And it's something that is a barrier from us getting to know Jesus. Both Paul and John are um, gigantic figures within the church. We know that. We know how Paul traveled around teaching. We know how John was close to Jesus and he understood Jesus' character. But they both have this interesting element to to the writings this morning, which we find strangely kind of like um, coupled with with their knowledge and their intimacy with Jesus, which is that they both feel this tension. They both kind of acknowledge the things that they've done wrong. In, in 1 Timothy, it's written this, it says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. And in John's uh, writing, he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. For this very reason, I was shown mercy, so that me and the worst of sinners. And it's this, this understanding that actually their sin was, was still in their minds and what they realized was barrier towards them and, and, and Jesus. Of course, we know these, the, the, these, these barriers, these, these things that they are talking about as uh, sin. And the passages, both all the passages today, were talking about sin. So what is that? What is sin? Why is this problem being surfaced in their writings? Now, recently, um, me and my family, we've been uh, watching The Chosen, which um, I really encourage you to also uh, get hold of during the season because it's a fantastic um, tool to to understand Jesus' life. It goes all the way through his ministries. It embellishes a lot of the things which we may be puzzling about and uh, offers a fantastic insight, I think, into the life and times of Jesus' ministry and his life. It's got an incredible backstory, actually. It's, it was funded out of crowdfunding 
um, by um, a lot of people in America. Thousands of people kind of gave money into to try and see the enterprise coming about, and they've just gone into their third. Well, actually, they've just pushed the third season out onto. Um, uh, it's now on Amazon. I think it's Netflix. It's certainly on YouTube, and also they've got a, um, a website. So all of that material is free. You don't need to. You don't need to pay for it. Um, but I encourage you during this season, as we're looking through the, the life of Jesus, to engage with that. There's, um, there's one passage which I'd like us to look at this morning, which is a passage which uh, comes in the uh, fourth episode of the first season. It's where Simon, Simon Peter um, comes in contact, or the first time he actually comes face to face with Jesus. And what you'll see in this passage is his response to, to finding Jesus. Uh, when he jumps out the boat, so Simon, if we can. My brother. And the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long. We believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. I will. You as well. Yes, you, James and John. Come, follow me. I'll take the fish to the market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> Go! Now! So, you sure you don't want to do this just a few more times? Well, we'll make a great team on a boat. Son! <laughs> Fish are nothing. You have much bigger things ahead of you, Simon, son of Jonah. Did you understand that parable I told earlier? From now on, I will make you fishers of men, and you are to gather as many as possible, all kinds. I will sort them out later. In the, um, the story there, and in, in, into the illustration, that, that, that encounter that Simon has with Jesus, he... Um, 
he responds in a way that's actually repeated throughout the Bible when people come into contact with, with God and they fall on their knees. Remember Moses doing the same, being kind of very aware of the, the separation which, which they face when they come into his presence. And that introduces the first part of what I've termed the Christian paradox, which is this, this, this repulsion that, um, that exists um, between us and God, the, the separation which is there. But on the flip side of this, we also see this attraction. We see the way that he responds to the follow me. He's, you can see that actually this desire to be in relationship with God is, is so strong. In um, Paul's writings to the Romans, he goes into far more detail onto this, talks about the way that he is both attracted but also repulsed from, from God. And uh, Romans 7, chapter 7, he says this, So I find the law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. And that's what Jesus came to address. In the letters, it talks about Jesus coming to take away our sins. But what is that? That is a question for us, I think, this morning. What is this paradox, this wanting to be close to God, but also this rejection or this repulsion? The attraction and need for love and also the destructive repulsion of sin are forces that seem to be governing our lives just as they were described in uh, Paul's letter. And of course this, this story of how these two forces are playing out come all the way back to the garden in Genesis. We hear about how Adam and Eve, God's creations he was so pleased about, they took on this responsibility, this knowledge, and in so doing, they became both aware of their inadequacies, they had to cover themselves, but also they were forced into, into isolation. They were forced out of the garden. You see immediately at play this, this, this issue, trying to hold together this need or this desire to be in relationship, but also, and under God's law, but also this rejection and the repulsion and the the separation which was forced upon them. And some of you might know that I'm an engineer. And my background is maths and science, the tools or the bedrock of, um, of engineering. And I believe in, uh, in the way that God can use clues and analogies scattered into his creation in the help of, or the help of understanding him and uh, the spiritual side of life. And Paul, of course, talks about the, the law of God in his passage. And I want us to actually just flip a little bit onto the law of nature and see if we can draw on some, 
analogies within that. It's a long time since I studied physics, so I apologize if there's anybody who's, I'm sure there are more, more qualified people to talk about physics than I am, but if I get anything wrong, it obviously breaks down at some point, but just, just bear with me for the time being. And um, in physics, you have four fundamental forces. The first force is this gravitational force. In um, Principia, which was written by Sir Isaac Newton in 1687, he describes the fundamental force that brings things together, the gravitational attraction between masses. And this force is the one which actually orchestrates the motion of the planets, the universe that surrounds us, it operates over very long distances. And um, the observation of that and the meaning of that is, is profound to the way that our world is what it is. And then in 1865, James Clerk Maxwell started to look into unifying, and he managed to unify the concepts of electricity and magnetism into a single theory called electromagnetism. And that force, unlike gravity, actually has the ability to both attract and repel particles. If they are the same charge, they actually are, they are repelled, and if they are different polarities, they will actually attract. This force, this electromagnetism, works in what I would say is the medium range. Obviously, it works at very small, but it also can work at, uh, at, at, at uh, larger distances. It's a little bit like, um, well, it is magnetism. So if you take two magnets and they're the same polarity, effectively, you can't actually get them close to each other because of the forces which are generated, the electromagnetic forces. That's fantastic. So we've got gravity pulling things together. We've got electromagnetism, which is quite often can repel things. And then in the early 20th century, they were trying to work out what was going on in the atom, the smallest piece which everything is created out of, or everything around us. And they were having problems because what they found was in the middle of an atom, there are positively charged protons. And these positively charged protons on kind of classical electromagnetic kind of like theory, or they should be repulsing each other massively because they're very close together. Didn't make any sense to see these hugely positively charged protons closer into each other. And eventually, through the development of science, they worked out that there was another force in play. This is the strong force. That's what it's called, the strong force. And the strong nuclear force bonds the protons together. The problem is that it acts at very close proximity. So only when the protons are close together can they actually be bonded in that way. And this, this bonding creates such incredible energy when it's actually formed. It's what's going on in the sun. So you look up at the sun, you can see basically this fission of all of these protons coming together and decoring from hydrogen into helium. I won't go into too much detail, you've, you've got that. But it's incredibly powerful, this strong force. It's the one which is, is, is powerful, more powerful than anything else in the universe. There's also another fourth force. If you understand me, I had four forces. And there's a weak force, nuclear nuclear force, which is actually when you get lots of little protons and neutrons together, they actually want to degrade and become radioactive. That's what forms the energy which drives our, um, our nuclear power stations. Not as powerful as the force in the sun, but still important. 
I'm sure you're asking now, what, what on earth has this got to do with the passages that we've been talking about this morning? Where, where, where is this nuclear physics going to take us? Well, I'd like to make a, make a link between these. Because in the Christian paradox, what we have is we have an attraction this attraction for God's law and the combination of ourselves in relationship with him. In one word, this is love. This is, this is the combination of us in a loving relationship. The Trinity is a loving relationship. The closeness that the Trinity is formed out of. And the physics paradox, of course, is this electromagnetic and the nuclear forces. So first of all, let's, let's think about how we are drawn together. Now, just in nature, we have this gravity, and it pulls things together. I kind of feel that as humanity as well, we are drawn together. We're drawn to each other. We're drawn to community. And what we're also drawn to is God. God, if he is the largest entity which he is, we are drawn to him, just like the sun is, it has its gravitational pull to us. We are pulled towards God as well. Of course, the problem is, is that we have, because we're built in God's own image, we have this similarity in our polarity with God. And in the medium distance, this can force us apart from each other and apart from God. This is this force which actually repulses us, the sin. It's just like Simon was in the... In the, in the, in the in the, in the clip this just now, it's basically when we come into face, into contact with Jesus, into God, then he finds this, this, this problem. He needs to reconcile his sinful nature. He wants to recognize his sins. He's, he's, he's distanced in some way. I think that's the case for us as well. It's a bit like when I was at university and I started going back to church and... Um, when I was uh, going along to church, I loved, I loved the talks, I loved the kind of truth, I loved you know, what was being preached. It wasn't always easy, but it, what it was, I just felt drawn to it. I just felt that it was the right thing. But then, you know, like a lot of students at university, I just felt this disconnect with maybe what I was doing in my life and everything else that was going on. I felt you know, like, like Paul did and, and Simon in the, in the clip, I felt this kind of like, gosh, there's something that needs to be reconciled here. The sin was getting in the way. What, what, is, what is it I need to sort out in my life? And that's why we have repentance. That's why we have the need for repentance. And this would be a very bleak picture if we just were dominated by this. We were drawn in by the gravity of needing community and needing to know God, but then we were repulsed by our sin. And that's when the last set of forces really come into play. Because I think love is this strong force. Love is the force which is the nuclear force that can bond things together. It's the force which bonds, binds the Trinity together, as I've said. And the problem is, it's just like here and now we're trying to create this cold fusion this is why we're going to get all of our free energy from. If we can, can recreate what's happening in the sun, we can create all of this energy just by taking small particles and building them together, completely clean and free. Fantastic. The problem is the, the forces that drive people apart. It's, we need incredible pressure and incredible temperatures. 
That's what we're trying to do now in, in, in science. We're trying to create free energy out of the, uh, the strong forces. But it's very hard. We're finding it hard, and it's hard for us to, to break that, that repulsion of sin in our lives as well on a spiritual level. But the good news is that Jesus has done that. The good news is that he has found a way. This is when the analogy breaks down. I can't really describe it. He's, he's achieved cold fusion. I don't know, but whatever it is. But he's managed to. He's managed to turn the polarity of us and attracted us back. To use my, my uh, little kid's magnets again, he's just kind of like flipped it. He's managed to turn us from repulsion into attraction. Allowed us to open the door to that strong force, the strong force of, of love. I think, lastly, there is one other thing that we need to be wary of, though. Just as we have this weak force which manifests itself in nature, I think we also have an issue where we can bring in too much into our relationships, too much into our, into our beings, which creates potential radioactivity and breakdown. I'll come on to that in again. So in summary, we need to approach God and break the power of sin through forgiveness and faith in Jesus. We need to allow the strong forces of love to govern us. This is the mystery as well. When John says this, he says, God lives in us and us in God. This combination, this proximity, allows us to have the strong force dominating us. So what does this all mean? How do we actually practically uh, apply this to our lives? I'd like to conjure up three different scenarios that we can find ourselves in today. I'd like to encourage you to think about where you are right now. So firstly, you could feel that you're very far away from God. But you're attracted to him, perhaps. You feel that there is something that's actually bringing you here this morning. Maybe it's the worship, maybe it's the fellowship. Maybe it's just nice to be amongst each other. And I think that in that scenario, it's the gravitational pull that's pulling us in. It's like the long-distance long force that naturally wants us to come close to each other and to God. And if you are finding that this morning, if you think, yes, I, I feel that, I'm starting to feel that force, then I, I, I encourage you to do what we've already talked about this morning, which is the Alpha Course, running on Wednesdays and Wednesdays in the evening and Thursdays in the morning, I encourage you to come along to the Alpha Course and find out more. But maybe you're in the second category, just as Simon Peter found himself in, which is that you've had this encounter, you've having encounters with Jesus, you're getting to know him, but you're finding that there's barriers in the way. Just as Paul was writing about, you know, this, this war, this warfare, or this battle between, you know, wanting to do what was good, wanting to be with Jesus, wanting to have this loving relationship and the, uh, the sins which were basically in his body and in his nature. In John's, John's other writings, he writes this, if we claim to be without sin, we would deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from our all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, 
we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. But then John goes on to write this. He says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. That's why Jesus came. He came to fix this problem. He came to fix the paradox where we're drawn in but also repulsed from the presence of God. He can remove the barrier and we can approach God in confidence. And that was my experience also in, at university once I'd taken that little step. It becomes easier. It doesn't go away. We're always conscious of that, just as Paul was conscious of it. But it does become easier. And our destiny is to be in that strong force, in the bond of love. And we might face battles, but the war has been won. So that's the second category that we can all find ourselves in, where we're struggling between the two. And the third category is maybe if we are close to, to Jesus and we found ourselves maybe a little bit, life is a little easier perhaps, but then there is another danger that we bring in too much into our, into our lives, into our relationships. The idea of creating a, a very large unstable molecule. It might be fear, pride, jealousy. There's lots of things that we can bring in which are unhelpful. And in physics, that becomes, that becomes unstable and it becomes radioactive and it can be very damaging to, to the things around it. And I think in our Christian lives, we can also have that happening. If we're not willing to get away some things, to purify ourselves, we can also become unstable and unhealthy. So if, you, if you're finding that today, this morning as well, then I encourage you to, to, to get some prayer, to pray to God. I'm sure we'll have a chance to do that after the service. But I'm going to end with a prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for your presence in Jesus, your witness to the apostles and their witness to us. We pray that in this season we dwell on that witness and seek to understand your purposes, your identity, just as the apostles did. Lord, we thank you that you chose to create us in your image as an outpouring of love. And we ask for forgiveness for the sin that repulses us from your presence. We acknowledge love embodied in your law as the ultimate force in your creation and the strongest bond that strengthens and sustains us. Help us to accept your forgiveness that allows us, allows us entry back into a closer relationship with you. In the name of our Saviour, who came to save us from our sin, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.